0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from ScoreZag Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I also want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, A reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to debut next week. I promise it's coming, folks. It's going to be out as soon as Monday of next week. All right. Speaking of debuts, today is the first full episode of Andy Locks, which is going to be a recurring episode. I initially thought it might just be a segment that we would do once a week for eight to ten minutes. It appears that the interest level is much, much higher than that, which is fantastic. I love this kind of stuff. For those of you who missed it, we did the first one last week. It was suggested by a listener, Christian, who reaches out to me via Gmail and sends a lot of questions. He thought this would be a good idea, where I grade your takes. So again, Andy Locks is a playoff. Goldilocks, of course, your takes are either too hot, too cold, or just right. That's the idea, so you submit to me takes about the upcoming season, the upcoming game, specific players, zags in the NBA, whatever it may be, something Gonzaga related. And I rank the take. Now, if I say a take is too hot, it doesn't mean that I think it's never going to happen or that I don't like the take. If I say it takes too cold, same thing. Uh, I'll kind of explain as I go through the questions. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, it's a good way for to hear your guys' thoughts. I think this is a listener-focused podcast. I'm not here just to hear the sound of my own voice. I don't really like hearing the sound of my own voice. So instead, I'm here to for all of you. And if you guys have things you want me to talk about, things you want me to grade, questions you want me to answer, that's what I want to do in this space every single day. So this is another opportunity for you folks to get involved. And you did. I got 18 suggestions or takes from all of you, which is fantastic. It also means we got to get right back into it. The preamble has already been too long. So here we go. Segment one. This first take comes from Graham Kilgore at G Kilgore on Twitter. He says, we'll play 10 players before half every game this year. Nope. That is too hot. I do not see that happening. I think there will be plenty of games this year where Gonzaga doesn't play 10 players at all. The rotation, the size of the rotation has been an incredibly contested topic all off season long. Obviously Eastern Oregon wasn't a good barometer for that because they played everybody a ton of minutes. I just, I don't see Gonzaga going more than eight deep uh, in, in games like Duke, UCLA, Texas, Alabama, those kinds of games. If it's tight throughout, whenever they run into a tight game against BYU, which will happen, they're not going to play more than 10 guys. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Next one from Jacob quarter two on Twitter. He says, Chet Holmgren will get Gonzaga's second triple double in program history. This was actually a part of the first Andy Lock segment that I did was a similar question. I think this is too hot, but it barely I guess is the best way to put it. I think it's possible. Points and rebounds will be easy. He's going to have plenty of double double doubles this year. I don't think he's going to quite average a double double. We'll get to that a little bit later, but blocks or assists either way, whichever way you figure it, is really hard. It's really hard to get 10 of either of those things, especially because whatever game Chet is likely going to do this in is probably he's probably not going to do it against Duke. Like, no disrespect to Chet. He's, he's capable of it. I just It's more likely to happen against Portland or San Diego or somebody like that. And in those games, he's going to get pulled in the second half. This is why Joe he struggled so much. He finally got it because he basically did it entirely in the first half. Because Mark Few is going to rotate him out. He's going to bring Caden Perry. He's going to bring Ben Greg in. Those guys are going to play more. So... I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's crazy. Chet is more capable of getting a, a triple-double than virtually anybody Gonzaga's ever had outside of Joel and maybe Blake Stepp, who came very close multiple times, but I don't think it's going to happen. Next one is also Chet Holmgren-related from Ozzy at ZagUpOz on Twitter. Chet Holmgren will average 19 and 12 and three blocks for the season. Wow, that is really hot. Uh, I think 19 points is probably pretty close. My guess, I think, was probably in the 16, 17 points per game range, but I don't think 19 is crazy. Averaging 12 rebounds a game is nuts. That's really, really hard to do in a 40-minute game at the collegiate level when your teammate is Drew Timmy. Really hard to do. Chet's going to gobble up defensive rebounds this year. He's going to play around the basket. He's a rim protector. He's going to gobble up defensive rebounds, but I don't think he's going to get a lot of offensive rebounds, and I just don't see a scenario where he's getting up to 12 rebounds per game. Three blocks is is also pretty aggressive. I don't think that's insane. I think he could average over two. I think he could average close to two and a half. I don't think he's going to average three. I don't think he's going to average twelve boards. This is too hot. I like it. It's a it's a good hot take. It's just it's just too hot. <laughs> Next up, couple questions on Julian Strother or a couple takes, I suppose, on Julian Strother. This one comes from Yanks Zags on Twitter, who says Julian Strother will play well enough to declare for the draft after the season. So I'm going to say that this is just right. That doesn't mean that I think it's going to happen, but I absolutely think that it could happen. Julian Strother looked really good in the exhibition game. Again, it's an exhibition game, but he's looked good throughout the offseason. He looked good in glimpses last year. He has the the body type, the physicality, the score-first mentality to be successful in the NBA. What he does not have or what he has not demonstrated is defensive chops, consistency, and enough of a bag offensively outside of the three-point shooting. I think he has it, but to be an offensive player in the NBA, you need to really demonstrate it. I think there's a chance by the end of the year he showed all that. But I still would be surprised if he actually declares for the draft. This question says, plays well enough to declare for the draft. Doesn't necessarily say that he will. I don't think that he will, but I think he might play well enough that he's strongly considered for it. So that's why I'll say just right. Next question comes from Josh underscore Boone. 24 on Twitter, the next take, says, "Stroth will be a first-team All-WCC and a top candidate for the Julius Irving Award. Also just right. I think both those things are very possible. Now, first-team WCC, if they do 10, which they've done in the past, then yes, I think he's very likely to be on the 10-player First-team All-WCC. If they do five, I don't think he's going to make it because I think Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, and Andrew Nemphard are borderline locks to make that. Eli Scott is an incredible, incredible player from LMU. He's going to make it. Alex Barcelo from BYU. Tommy Cousy from St. Mary's. Matthias Toss from St. Mary's. There are a lot of really... Jamari Bouier from San Francisco. There's a lot of really talented dudes, and I don't think that Strother would beat all of those guys out. But again, if it's 10-team... 10-player, then yes, he probably makes it. 5-player, probably not. But this is just right for in terms of a take. Next one, from Lucas Porter 8 on Twitter. Zags will have 3 players average 15 points per game, and Zags will have 4 players average 10 points per game. So I'm going to split these into two. 3 for 15 is too hot. I don't think the Zags are going to have a third 15-plus per game score. I think both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren will be over 15 points per game. I think Rasir Bolton, Julian Strother, Hunter Salas, Andrew Nemphard could all contend for over 10 per game, but I would be very surprised if any of them average 15. It's really hard to average 15 points per game in college. Really, Jalen Suggs did not average 15 points per game last year. Corey Kispert did not average 15 points per game for his career. It's really hard to get that high. So I don't think they're going to have three guys average that. I think they'll have four guys average 10. I think they'll have two over 15 in Drew and Chet, and then I think they'll have two or three other guys right around 10 per game. Nembhard will be around 10, Salas will be around 10, Bolton will be around 10, Strother will be around 12 or so, but I don't think they get three over 15. All right, so the Chet Holmgren and Julian Strother takes are done. There's a few other nice takes sprinkled in there as well. In the next segment, I'm going to be coming back. We're going to be grading even more of your listener-submitted hot takes. Before we get there, though, let's talk about McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food, It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. All right. Welcome back to the first full Andy Locks episode answering or grading, I should say, your hot takes ahead of the 2021-2022 Gonzaga season. We're going to get right back into it. We got six more great takes from you all. This first one comes from Eric Stoneburner at EA Stone 17 on Twitter, who says, Nolan Hickman will win defensive player of the year, WCC defensive player of the year, excuse me, without starting a game. (laughs) This is pretty hot. Uh, I do think Nolan Hickman will not start a game this year. I think he is probably fourth in the depth chart in the backcourt, which again is not an indictment of him as a player, more so in a compliment to Rasier Bolton and Hunter Salas and Andrew Nembhardt, of course, who are all going to play significant minutes uh, but this is too hot. Uh, Chet is a near lock for WCC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, if a freshman is going to win it, it is going to be Chet Holmgren. He is has the likelihood, and actually Greg Heister responded to this tweet on Twitter saying that he thinks Chet's probably going to shatter Gonzaga's block records, or at least has a good chance to do that. If he does that, he's going to be the Defensive Player of the Year. There are other plenty plenty of other talented players. I mentioned a few of them. Eli Scott, Matthias Toss, uh, Alex Barcelo, who could challenge for this as well. Nolan Hipkins is really good. He's a very good defensive player. I think he has the ability to be a WCC Defensive Player of the Year candidate in the future, potentially as soon as next season. It's just not going to happen this year with him in a limited role. You know, he's probably f- 15 to 18 minutes per night is, is borderline a best case scenario for him, maybe closer to 20. I think there's a real chance that he's the best perimeter defensive player on this team, and that is a significant role. It could lead to him playing more minutes. But again, I like the idea. I like the kind of compliment to Nolan Hickman as a defensive player. I, I can't reach quite that far. <laughs> it's it's a hot take, and that's the segment is about hot takes, and I like that. I like they were reaching out for these hot takes. But will he be a candidate for this award in the future? Almost certainly. This year, probably not. Next up, this one comes from Kyle Sessions at KW on Twitter, who says Watson will finish as a top twenty-five player this season. Yeah, so I'm going to say just right here, uh, it kind of depends on what we consider a top 25 player. Uh, certainly, he's not going to be uh, one of the top 25 uh, best offensive players in the country or particularly even close to it. I, I, he's not a great, he's, he's not a, he's not a good outside shooter. He's not a great offensive player in general. But, you know, you look at some of the, the advanced metrics uh, that do player raiders. You look at Ken Palm, you look at Evan Miwaya, Mui- Mui- excuse me, you look at the stuff that they do. Watson has finished close to top 25 in the past already, so it's not even that much of a hot take, really. It's borderline too cold, depending on the metrics that you use. I think Watson's going to be one of the best defensive players in the country, uh, especially when you look at the advanced analytics and and those stuff. Uh, I don't think he's going to play enough minutes to really be generally considered by the college basketball-watching populace as a top 25 player in the country, so that makes this one a little bit tricky to answer. But if we're just talking like Analytics, what do they think about him as a performer? I think it's just right, almost too cold, because I do think he's going to be close to that top 25 marker. This next one comes from Brian Mary at BMaryZag on Twitter. He says, Ben Gregg more threes than Kyle Wiltshire. I reached out to clarify if he meant. More threes than Kyle Wilcher in his collegiate career or just at Gonzaga. He clarified he meant at Gonzaga, which helps. (laughs) It helps a little bit, but this is still nuclear hot. I'm really, really hot. Wilcher made, for reference on Kyle Wilcher as a three-point shooter, for those who are too young or who do not remember, Wilcher made 158 threes in two years at Gonzaga. Killian Tilly, who is who I have compared Ben Gregg to as a the style of player and like the kind of contributor I think he can be. Killian Tilly, who spent four years in a Gonzaga uniform. Obviously, injuries were a part of Killian Tilly's career, but still, four seasons, a 44% three-point shooter for Killian Tilly. He made 106. So that is still 48 less than Kyle Wiltshire made. Ben Gregg would have to either shoot way, way, way more threes than Killian Tilly, or he would have to shoot like 60% or over 50% to get to 158 made threes. Wilcher was a freak. He was an insane outside shooter. Ben Gregg, I think it's realistic to believe that he could make a hundred threes in his career at Gonzaga, similar to what Killian Tilly did. He is not going to make 158 of them. If he's that good of a three point shooter, he's not going to be here for all four years, in which case he's not going to get there. Tilly, Tilly's 106 made threes in four years at 44% is really dang good. And if Ben Gregg hits that, I would be thrilled beyond belief. I would be ecstatic. I don't think we're going to see him do more than that. Next up comes also from Kyle Sessions at KW Sesh. He says, Timmy's offense will regress as he draws help defense without any real spacing. Yeah, there's a few negative ones in here, folks. Um, so Drew Timmy made an average 19 points per game on 65.5% shooting last year. That is extraordinary. So, will he regress in the sense that he will not average 19 points on 65.5% shooting? I think that's possible. I think that's, I don't want to say likely, but I don't think it's a hot take to think that he won't be that efficient next season or score that many points because they add in a Chet Holmgren and they add in some other talent. They also lose a Corey Kispert and a Joel EI and a Jalen Suggs, so they lost a lot of offensive firepower. They gained a different type of offensive firepower. But part of Kyle's point here is that with less shooters without a Corey Kispert or a Joel EIE, defenses can kind of pack in a little bit on him and make, it, make his life a little bit harder with less spacing. I agree. I agree with that. I don't think Drew's going to be dramatically worse. I don't even know if he will be worse. <laughs> his numbers might look slightly different. Maybe it's 17 points on 63% shooting. Is that regression technically? Is it Concerning? No, not really. So I think this is just right. I think it's a little too cold almost because I do think we're probably going to see a little regression in that regard because of the the defenses are going to guard Gonzaga and guard Drew Timmy specifically a little bit differently. But I don't think it's going to be a significant impact to this team or to his future as a basketball player. Next up, this one comes from Drew Timmy Stash on Twitter. He says Bolton will not get bumped from starting by Salas or Hickman. So I don't think this is a hot take. So I would say just right, but I do think it could happen. Uh, Rasir Bolton started, obviously, in the exhibition game. It's expected that he's going to start in the regular season alongside Andrew Nemhardt alongside Julian Strother with the two freshmen, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, coming off the bench. I think there's a lot of reason to believe that a starting lineup with Nemhardt and Salas makes a lot of sense with Hickman and Bolton being the players coming off the bench, but I don't know that that's what the staff is going to do. And I think Salas would have to either dramatically outplay Bolton, or Bolton would have to deal with injuries, similar to what happened with Admon Gilder. There would something would have to happen, and as long as nothing dramatic happens, I don't think that the starting lineup is going to change. But it would not shock me. Bolton makes sense as a energizer off the bench, as a leader off the bench. You know, a guy who kind of plays opposite Andrew Nemhard a little bit in a way, so that they have a more veteran, steady presence on the floor at all times. So I think there's a a, a way that him playing off the bench makes sense, but I agree that I don't think he's going to get bumped from the starting lineup unless something actually shifts or changes. Last one of this segment. This one's from Austin King at Austin underscore King 52 on Twitter. He says Gonzaga will lead the country in steals per game. Yeah, this is really hot. Um, Nembhard Bolton Strother, are the three starters in the front, in the backcourt that we assume at least they're not really steel guys. Like this, that's not really a huge part of their game. Nemhard's averaged like just over one for his career. Bolton was up. I think the highest he was is 1.3. Strother does not strike me as a, a big, I don't think he's going to be a great defensive player. If I'm being honest, I think he'll improve throughout the year, but it's not really his game. Hickman is, is great. He's going to be a good steals guy. I have no doubt about that. I've, I've already praised Hickman's defensive acumen significantly in this segment and I stand by it. I just don't think he's going to play enough. Watson's great, great defensive player and he's going to get steals. He's going to, they're going to do that half court trap. He's going to get steals. He's going to aggressively hedge off screens. He's going to get steals that way. But the minutes that Hickman plays and the performance of Anton Watson Aren't enough to get this team up to leading the country in steals per game. Nembhard, Bolton, or Strother, at least two of those guys would need to be like above average steals per game guys because they're going to soak up a ton of minutes at the one, two, and the three. And I just, none of them are good enough. At stealing the basketball to really lead this country into the point where they could be a steals per game team. Now, they're gonna score a ton of points, they're gonna score quickly. That means the other team's gonna have the ball a lot, that gives them more opportunities. Like, there's some reasons that this could make some sense, but I think it's too hot. I just don't think they're gonna get all the way up to that level. All right, a reminder we're gonna to continue to do this segment. If people like it, I'm having a blast with it. I I hope that you guys are having a blast with it. If you have ideas for this, you can submit them to me whenever you can just say, Hey, I want to submit this for the next Andy locks. You can shoot me an email at andypatton013. You can reach out on Twitter. I have notes, a note sheet, always going, always updating it. So I can, I can pop the questions in there. Um, But we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to answer even more listener submitted hot takes before we get there though. Let's talk about bet online folks. Bet online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, segment three. It is still hot take season. Here at Locked On Zags, we're still taking listener submitted hot takes grading them on the Goldilocks or Andilocks scale, too hot, too cold, or just right. Going into the segment three, this first one comes from Strike Nowhere on Twitter, who says, WCC gets four teams in the NCAA tourney, Zags, BYU, and two of St. Mary's, USF, and LMU. Okay, so this is this is too hot, but I like it. I like it a lot. There has been a ton of conversation this offseason about the WCC, about how many bids they could get. There's been takes about this. In fact, the next take is similar to this one. I'm not quite ready to say that they're there yet. I think the non-conference schedules for a lot of these teams is still pretty weak. St. Mary's does not have a great non-conference schedule. USF LMUs is okay. But these teams would need to be perfect. BYU doesn't need to be perfect. Gonzaga doesn't need to be perfect. St. Mary's, USF, LMU, they need to be perfect. And frankly, for four teams to get in, I mean, they, they'll play each other. St. Mary's plays Gonzaga twice, BYU twice, San Francisco twice. For San Francisco to make it, they can't lose more than like two games. So let's assume they beat St. Mary's both times. St. Mary's is then basically out. <laughs> like, there's just not, they're going to beat each other up enough that three teams could reasonably make it, I think, if they basically didn't lose to anybody except Gonzaga and BYU. But even then, it's it's really tough. Ask the the committee is so hard on mid major schools. They're so hard on fringe average mid major schools. So a San Francisco team with five losses, two even if two of them are to Gonzaga, two of them are to BYU, one of them is the Saint Marys. They win every other game. That's still it's hard for me to imagine that that's going to be enough for this team. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. I would love to see San Francisco in the tournament. My sister went there. She's an alumni there. I like that school a lot as much as I can like a non-Gonzaga WCC school. But I just, I just, they need to be basically perfect. LMU, even if they are perfect, I'm not sure that they're quite good enough. So I like this. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it happens. But I, I, I'm just not sure I'm ready to say that I see that happening this year. This next one, very similar concept from 8206 on Twitter. The WCC will have three tournament teams this year, and one of them will not be Gonzaga St. Mary's BYU. So this is much closer to being realistic. I think it's possible that Gonzaga gets, or excuse me, the WCC gets three in. Uh, If they do get three in, I think it's possible it could be like Gonzaga BYU USF, for example, or Gonzaga BYU LMU could happen. I still, don't, I have a similar topic to what I said before. I still don't. I'm not quite ready to get there with schools that aren't Gonzaga and BYU or even St. Mary's. I'm not quite ready to say USF again. They have to be perfect. Like they probably have to beat Gonzaga. If San Francisco beats Gonzaga once, beats BYU twice, then yeah, I think that they're probably on that line. If they if they win, get into the national or the national championship. If they get into the WCC championship game and they already beat Gonzaga in the regular season. Yeah, that could do it, but it needs to be that. Like, there can't be any other, anything less than that, and I just don't think that they're in. It's tough. It's tough to be a mid-major. I don't know that I agree with this, for the record. There's a very realistic chance at the end of the year, I believe firmly, that San Francisco or LMU or St. Mary's or some combination of two or three of those schools deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, but I don't think that they will get into the NCAA tournament unless they are basically perfect. This next take comes from Daniel Wharton at Dan B. Wharton on Twitter, who says, Gonzaga will achieve number one ranking in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency at some point this year. Yeah, I think this is just right. I think it's almost too cold because of the language at some point. I don't think they're going to, like, go wall-to-wall, rail-to-rail at number one defensive efficiency. They're not going to just spend the entire season there. But, you know, after Dixie State, (laughs) maybe if they have a really great defensive performance against Texas, I think they could get there. If they have you know a nice stretch in the WCC where they hold three or four straight opponents under sixty points, like this is going to be an efficient defensive team. Chet Holmgren is a monster. We talked about Anton Watson, who always grades out really high by these advanced analytic numbers. But then we also have Rasir Bolton, who's never been a great defensive player. Andrew Nembhard, who is an adequate defensive player. He's not great. He's good. He's maybe above average, but he's not great. Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman are going to help, but they're not going to play huge amounts of minutes. Julian Strother is a wild card at this point. My prediction is that he is at best average defensively. Groot Timmy, average defensively. So this is not an easy task to get to the number one ranking in defensive efficiency. I think it could happen throughout the year, which is why I have this just right. But I don't think that they're going to wall to wall be the best defensive team in the country. They don't have enough defensive minded stalwarts on this roster. They have a few. And the few that they have are elite, like Chad and Anton. And the guys like Hickman and Salas, I think, could really bring them up. But it would be, if if those two guys were the starters, and Nemphard and Bolton were playing more of the reserve roles, I'd feel a little bit more confident about this. But with a ton of minutes going to guys who have demonstrated that they are roughly average defensive players at the Division I level, I don't think that that's going to change dramatically. And that's enough to probably keep them out of being number one save for maybe a few a week or so where they could maybe get up there this next one it's like a three-parter from mark via gmail so i'll kind of take them one at a time he says this year the zags play four power five champions in the non-conference they play the conference champions of the acc duke the pac-12 ucla the sec alabama and the big 12 in texas so yeah so this is almost too cold I'll say it's just right, but it's it's close. Texas and UCLA are already the favorites to win the Big 12 and the Pac-12. So it, th- that's not really a super hot take there. I don't think that Duke win- Duke winning the ACC is certainly not a hot take. There are top 15 teams by most accounts. Yes, there are other schools in the ACC that could easily win that conference. It's not like it's Duke's to lose necessarily or like a foregone conclusion, but it's not that crazy. Alabama winning the SEC, It's something I could see happen. That's probably the most difficult one. And still, it's not like the Pac-12 or the Big 12 are going to be handed to UCLA or Texas. It wouldn't shock me if either of those conferences are won by another school. So I don't think that this is a crazy hot take. I don't necessarily think that it's like a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen either. But I could see it coming true. Okay, his hot take number two is that the Zags lose all four of these games. Oh boy, that's too hot. That is too hot. Uh, he says young talent early in the year equals early losses to good teams. I kind of want to push back on this concept that Gonzaga is this super young team because I see this a lot, and I don't, I don't entirely know where it's coming from. We saw a starting lineup with Andrew Nemhard, Rasir Bolton, and Drew Timmy in it. None of those guys are young. Rasir Bolton has three full seasons of playing power five conference basketball two of them where he was the best player on his team andrew Nemphard is entering his fourth season as a point guard i was gonna say starting although he he started half of last year and he started for two full seasons at florida like he is a power five high level point guard drew timmy is obviously a player with a ton of experience you add an anton watson who's got a lot of experience like this is not that young of a roster obviously chet is young but Jalen Suggs was young last year, and people were not complaining about his youth. And Chet is a higher-rated prospect than him. Hunter Salas, higher-rated prospect than Jalen Suggs was. Like those guys did not demonstrate that they were not ready to play right away. Jalen Suggs dunked all over Kansas two seconds into his first game. Like I think that this team will have some youthful moments, certainly. I think they'll they we'll see some mistakes, but the primary guys with the ball in their hands are going to be Andrew Nembhard, Racier Bolton, Drew Timmy. Like those guys are going to ha- have the ball more than any other players on this roster, save for Chet Holmgren. And I'm not worried about any of them with youth or any any of that. I think two and two out of these four games is a is a is a bad. That's that's a disappointment. Three and one is what I expect. I don't know that I know which game they're going to lose, but I think they probably they probably drop one of them. But all four would be catastrophic and I think would be is extremely, extremely unlikely to happen. Gonzaga is better than all four of these teams. You could make arguments that Texas is as good as Gonzaga, and I would listen to those. You could make arguments that UCLA is better equipped to win an early season game because they're returning 93% of their minutes from last year, and I would listen to that. You could make arguments that trying to play Duke on— The heels of having played UCLA and Central Michigan earlier that week is going to make that game challenging, and I would listen to that. I don't see any way that they lose to Alabama in the battle in Seattle, quite frankly. I think they're going to win that one. But losing all four of these games is just not going to happen. The third take from Mark says the Zags still make the Final Four. Young talent matures through the WCC season, and they sweep the WCC, earning a 2-4 to seed and winning the bracket. Okay, lots to unpack here. Uh, final four, hell yeah. That's not a hot take at all. That's almost too cold. They are going to, no, I, I shouldn't say going to. They are a likely favorite to make the final four, and I don't think that's a hot take. Young talent maturing through the WC season. Yeah, that's, of course, going to happen. Sweeps the WCC. That, I think, is kind of a hot take. I do think they'll. there's a good chance they'll do it. Obviously, they did it last year. They've done it before, but BYU's really good. St. Mary's, San Francisco, LMU are all good, good enough to beat Gonzaga in one game. I don't think that I don't think it's crazy to think Gonzaga sweeps the WCC but I would not be shocked if they drop a game in the WCC. I could see a very realistic scenario where they finish the regular season with two losses. One of those four games they lose and then they lose one game in conference. So we're talking like maybe they lose to Duke and BYU and those are the only two losses on the season. That's not going to be a two to a four seed. That's going to be a one seed. They're going to be a one seed. So kind of a mixed bag here from Mark. Uh, I think that this team is not as young and inexperienced to start the year as the expectation is. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose all four of these games, but I do think they're going to do really well heading through the conference play, and they're going to end them potentially in the final four, very likely, at least in the final four, and not as a four seed. I think they will be higher seed than that. This next take comes from Dan Leonard at Spokane Zagfan on Twitter who says last year's team is winning by 10 to 15. So I'm assuming (laughs) the way that I read this is that he's saying if these two teams were to play each other, that last year's team would win by double digits, which uh, is too hot of a take. I think that, I mean, it's a bit of a cop-out. I think they're really evenly matched. I think that if they were to play a seven-game series, it would go to seven games, or at least it would be competitive. But I, I don't see either team ever winning by that much. And just to assume that, that last year's roster would win by that much, and is 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 ten to fifteen points better than this roster is wrong. It's wrong. Um, last year's team had more offensive firepower. Losing a Jalen Suggs, a Joelyaie, a Corey Kispert hurts. All three of those guys are great offensive players. They're good outside shooters, and, and so I can understand looking at this roster and seeing not those guys and thinking, well, the you know the last year's team would have scored more points, so they're just they would win. But this year's team is way better defensively. Like, significantly better defensively. And I think that that wipes that out, and it's not as easily visible, so I can understand why it's harder to see. But Chet Holmgren is a monster. He's, a, he's, a, he's an incredible rim protector, which would mitigate a lot of the ways that Jalen and Joel score. Uh, and also, how in the hell is last year's Gonzaga team going to guard Chet? Corey spent most of his minutes playing the four last year. is a big, strong, physical dude, but he's not going to be able to guard Chet, and they, they like I guess the, the Timmies would cancel each other out I suppose. But you're looking at a year where Julian Strother's much improved from his version last year. You know you got the two freshmen in Salas and Hickman who are going to be studs. You got Bolton in the mix. I, I think that this is a close matchup. I don't know that I think that this year's roster definitively wins. I, I think it's a there's a good chance that last year's roster does win because of the three point shooting that they have. But I do not think that they are 10 to 15 points better than this year's team. All right. Last take of the show comes from Michael Thompson at Michael T underscore zero five on Twitter, who says Gonzaga will complete the perfect season. They will avenge their loss to Baylor in the elite eight. They will destroy a surprising Syracuse team in the final four, and they will defeat Villanova in the national championship. My friends, how could I give this a grade? Anything other than just right? It is Perfect. Is it a hot take? Of course, of course it is. Do I even think? Am I super confident Baylor's going to make it to the Elite Eight? I don't know. They have they lost a lot of talent from last year. Syracuse in the Final Four, nuclear hot take. But you know what? They've done it before. Gonzaga's run into really hot Syracuse teams in the NCAA tournament a lot. Gonzaga versus Villanova in the national championship would be unbelievably fun. Unbelievably fun. Obviously, this is a hot take. Do I think this is going to happen? No, I would not be betting any real money on this. Do I absolutely love it, and am I thrilled to end the podcast on this take? You bet. How much fun would this be? All right, folks, Gonzaga Basketball is back. We're here. The next time we talk, we're going to be previewing the Lewis Clark State game, the final exhibition game on the calendar before we head into next week. And Gonzaga's real season opener against Dixie State. We're gonna do some fun stuff to end the week. Obviously, we got Mailbag Monday coming early next week as well, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which again is available wherever you get your podcast, soon to be available on YouTube. Another reminder, podcast links will be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags, and on my personal Twitter account, which can be found at Zags Score. Finally, thank you again for making this episode your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing in the NBA. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!